Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spirit Seeker Hour. Spirit Seeker Hour is your chance to delve into the world of your inner spirit. The Spirit Seeker Hour is brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. Go to www.spiritseeker.com to find out more. And now, here's Cindy Meyer. Hello and welcome, and it is that time for the weekly Spirit Seeker Magazine's uh, weekly radio show. We bring you the show each and every Tuesday, and we have done so for, I think it's right around four years now. Um, And we have over 200 shows archived. All you have to do is go to uh, to www.spiritseeker.com and on the home page in the left hand corner is the link for blog talks uh, radio it's long so if you just go there and you click on it then you will see uh, all the different shows and we have just interviewed some amazing artists authors healers from all over the world and um, I just can't even begin to tell you how um, touched I am each and every week with this show so tonight, I uh, am very excited because I had heard about Shakti Fest for many years, which is held in Joshua, um, I think it was Joshua Tree, California. And then last year, lo and behold, I heard about a Midwest Bhakti Fest. And I thought, what? How can this be in the Midwest? But it is. And it is going to be this summer, again, the second annual Bhakti Fest. And tonight, I am going to be interviewing two of the um, beautiful, beautiful Kirtan leaders and leaders in Kirtan uh, worldwide. I'll be interviewing Mike Cohen and Dave Stringer. um, And we will be talking about the Bhakti Fest. But before I do that, I want to get all the announcements out at the front end. This is a two-part show tonight from 7 to 7.30. You will be learning about Bhakti Fest. What is Kirtan? What is this whole uh, new spiritual awakening that is happening, you know, all over the U.S. and globally? The second half of the show, um, and, and, you know, I'm encouraging you to stay for everything, will be Raymond Grace, who is one of the top master dowsers in the world. He is is as simple and forthright as they come, and he um, he's called in for all kinds of projects, and he has projects. He works with the water. He works with all kinds of stuff with dousing uh, in consciousness. So that's that's our show tonight. So those are the announcements. You can read Spirit Seeker at spiritseeker.com. Fabulous articles on tapping this month, on Amachi, um, living compassionately, etc. Okay, so there we go. All announcements out of the way. So here we are. So, Michael, are you there? I certainly am. Good to be here with you, Cindy. Okay, so I just read a little bit about you, and I and were you at, you were at Bhakti Fest last year? Yes. Yeah, I was at Bhakti Fest Midwest last year, which was the okay. first year, and actually. Um, there's not only a Shakti Fest, but also a Bhakti Fest in California. Shakti oh. Fest is spring, and there's a Bhakti Fest West, and that is in its fifth year, and I played there years uh, two and three. So this is going to be my fourth uh, engagement with the Bhakti Fest Festival. Wow. And, you know, it was my first experience, so you can imagine. I mean, last year at this time, I was interviewing um, the founder of, of Bhakti Fest, and um you know, and I just really, you know, uh, Donna Delory and, you know, I forget who else was on last year, but I just really, 
you know, I'd seen Krishna Dust, I'd seen Dave Stringer perform, you know, I'd been, you know, to a few other, you know, uh, kirtans and had experienced it in St. Louis and some of my other travels. But once I got to Bhakti Fest in the middle of this island in Wisconsin, all I can tell you is my it was my birthday, and from the time I arrived, which I had just come out of a hospital bed and wheelchair for four months, I'd broken, fractured my leg, and I know that Bhakti Fest helped heal me. It was like we chanted from morning until night. Some of the, you know, people from the Chicago area, Ohio. I mean, how many states were like 15, 20 states that were represented at that event? Yeah, it was really amazing. Uh, you know, I saw folks that I knew from all over the U.S., and I'm glad that you had such a powerful experience after that, you know, um, you laid up like that. Wow, what a what a nice, uh, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. And, yeah, that fest is, is quite a healing experience. There's nothing quite like it because it really is three days of nonstop kirtan, yoga, workshops. And, you know, the the, the vibe in the, at Bhakti Fest Midwest is just very, very sweet, you know. Midwesterners tend to be uh, sweet folks. It's the heart of the country, and uh, it's just a beautiful experience last year. Yeah, yes, we're very polite. I have um, my son's uh, relatives are from New York, and when they come here, they say, oh, my gosh, well, I have to get back. People are just too nice here. I mean, they just don't know what to think. You know, literally, I mean, it's kind of funny, too. But, okay, so I, it's my understanding that, Dave Stringer, you are, uh, you are with us now here. Yeah, I'm talking uh, via Skype from Los Angeles. Okay, so we have Los Angeles, Michigan, Missouri, and Seattle. My producer's from Seattle. So this is the the wonder of Internet radio, and thank you for being my guest, and thank you both just for what you're doing for so many people and the gifts that you uh, so wonderfully share with everyone. So I'm just going to read a little bit about each of these uh, two wonderful men, and then we'll go right into um, what what we're here together tonight about, which is the Midwest Bhakti Fest. So Michael uh, Cohen is internationally renowned as a kirtan artist, a teacher. He teaches um, and a coach who actually works with kirtan leaders and uh, helps them reach new heights in their energy, their joy, their aliveness, and really um, bringing the whole thing of, of kirtan together. He blends Eastern mantras and Western uh, music and creates uh, just amazing chantable music. Then we have, um, and I'm, and I also want to mention that uh, two of his recordings, Om Dattatreya and Soul Contract, were produced by Grammy Award winner Jeff Ciampa and received, um, you know, wonderful awards and acclaim and you know, uh, you know, just attention. So Dave Stringer um, is very well known. He's widely profiled in publications all over the world. I've experienced him on three different occasions, and each and every time I was just, you know, amazed is all I can say. Um, but, you know, Dave, you started before music. You were in the area as a visual artist, filmmaker, and jazz musician. So how did this all shift? Well, part of it is the right place at the right time. Um, I, I reached a sort of a transition point in the early 1990s from my career as a musician or my career as a film editor to a career as a musician. I went to India to make some films and uh, ran into the practice of chanting in Kirpan and it was uh, life transformative enough that uh, I looked at the world in a whole new way and encountered this form of music called Kirpan. I loved the fact that it involved the interaction with the audience that, in fact, the audience was the music. 
And um, the philosophy of Kirtan and the experience of Kirtan seemed perfectly lined up. Um, and when I came back to the United States, increasingly I became involved in this kind of music. I hadn't been a professional musician prior to that. However, I had been a musician since I was a child and had studied opera and jazz. And, um, but in the late 1990s, Los Angeles uh, in particular was a hotbed of um, all things yoga. And um, I was invited to start leading some kirtans um, at a yoga studio called Yoga Works in L.A. And um, it so happened that many people who are now prominent yoga teachers were teaching there, and they started taking me to different studios around the country to play for their yoga workshops. So this whole thing started to disperse. I grew up in the Midwest. I was born in St. Louis, raised in Chicago and Milwaukee, and for me, it was natural territory. So I started meeting kirtans around the Midwest, probably in the early 2000s. Wow. You know, and, and Mike, you, you were in this realm, and then you took a hiatus, and then you came back. Is that my understanding? Yeah, that's correct. In my teens and 20s, I was a professional saxophonist. Uh, I played at Eastman School of Music and made albums and toured and uh, left and um studied with several folks in Boston, went on the road with an African-American singer named James Howell, and we had uh, just won the uh, NACA College Circuit Entertainer of the Year. So I did all sorts of stuff like that, and sort of went the opposite direction of Dave. I got out of music and got involved in politics, small business, higher education, various things like that. And uh, in 1997, someone invited me to go to a Hare Krishna temple where I first saw Harmonium. I was fascinated. And uh, in 2000, I took my first yoga class, and that's when I really started engaging with the practice of Kirtan. So it's been uh, over a dozen years now. You know, I just I just have to ask, you know, you, you, I, I've seen both of you just pop in when other musicians are playing. I mean, you know, all of a sudden, oh, there's someone else up on, on the stage, and, you know, all of a sudden, here is this amazing music. And, and you haven't really, you know, um, practiced it. You just create this together so what is that like with i mean after a bhakti fest you know or something of that nature what is it like like you know i mean i know what it was like for me to attend it to be there to just vibrate you know for days and actually weeks afterwards i mean you guys do you ever sleep (laughs) i'm just curious (laughs) well i'm pretty much wide and we keep pretty rock and roll hours i'll just speak for myself I, i don't know if mike does but I know that my band and I are usually wide awake for hours afterwards because um, this music gives me energy. It it constantly gives back to me more than I put out. And maybe part of it is, is that I don't see myself as a performer as much as a facilitator. You know, Um, we light a match and then something happens. Um, So, the amount of energy that I put out to ignite it is nothing compared to the amount of energy that comes back. Okay. So so uh, if one of you would please explain, what exactly is bhakti? For someone who's like, what is this? I've heard of kirtan. I don't know what it is. I've heard of bhakti. I've heard of devotional singing, chanting. What, what you know, Especially when you bring in the Hare Krishnas because you know, so many people know them from the airports, and you know, but they don't quite understand it all. So, so for a novice, um, and either one of you, you know, just jump in. What exactly is the 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 practice of bhakti and devotion? Well, real quick, um, you know, to me, kirtan is a central practice of bhakti. Bhakti means 
love or relationship. So it's really the it's really the yoga of the heart. And what I see is most of the time folks in our culture are very much encouraged to walk around and we're dissociated from our bodies, which means that our hearts are shut down and our heads are going absolutely crazy. We have hamster heads. And what I see happening with Kirtan is it's beautifully and reliably, almost instantaneously, when we get going, people get connected with their body. When that happens, their heads soften and relax and open, and their hearts open and start extending. All of a sudden, people start having a sense of gratitude. They have a sense of connection. They go, wow, like, this is beautiful. Look at, look at these amazing people. Look at these incredible musicians. I feel so wonderful. Look at this beautiful space where I'm, you know, life is good. You know, it's just you know, very quickly and, and incredibly reliably, incredibly reliably into that space. And to me, that's the space of boxing. Yeah, I mean, I personally want to emphasize that kirtan is not a religious practice. In fact, the whole of yoga can be seen as a movement that's meant to actually free us from religion. It's really a practice of inquiry into the nature of the world, the nature of the mind, and the nature of the heart. And its focus is on experience, not on belief. So the beautiful thing about kirtan and its mantras are very simple, sung in a call-and-response fashion. And it, it essentially has this idea that there's an artist, there's a seeker, there's a musician inside everyone, and that, that practice of singing, just the act of it, with a group of other people creates a feeling of ecstatic connection to one's own inner self, the people around you, and the universe at large. So really the message of Kirtan is open your mouth and sing and see what happens. Um, and what happens, as Mike said, is, is almost, is in my experience, always effective. The practice of singing always elevates you. It always is transformative. It always makes you feel better. You know, there's a CD, and you two may be familiar with it, by Tina Turner, who, um, you know, became a Buddhist, you know, after so many different changes in her life. And she created, I forget the name of it, but the CD has Buddhist and Christian chants. And, you know, you'll, she'll be singing, and then all of a sudden they'll be quiet, and then she'll say, keep singing, keep singing. Because, like, when you sing, you get to joy. And, you know, so often in our culture, we're told, oh, that person can't carry a tune, or, oh, my goodness, you know. And when you do, when you sing in kirtan, it absolutely does not matter what your voice is, because you're just, it's blended harmonically with everyone else and the intention. Right. That's the beautiful thing. And you know what? If you just keep on singing, you'll just, you'll, you will get better. I mean, to me, I think the ability to hold a tune is, is like learning to ride a bicycle, you know? And it's shocking that we actually don't teach people that earlier. Um, it, it turns out, you know, the, the, the neuroscience on this is, is unequivocal. People who learn to sing at, a, at an early age have an advantage, but you can learn to sing at any age, and it's good for your mind. It's good for your heart. It's good for the people around you. Okay, well, there are so many different um, sound clips that we have, so I want to go ahead and, uh, Nate, if you will go ahead and surprise us with one, and then uh, we will have the artist explain it afterwards. So just go ahead. I know we have eight different songs, so just surprise us, please. Oh, did you just ask me to surprise you? No, no, my producer is supposed to be oh, there, and he's... Okay, awesome. <laughs> 
So in one moment, it'll start playing music, and then we'll get quiet. Um, But uh, so so just whenever, Nate, go ahead and start, and then we'll stop talking. Um, So I want to mention the dates of the Bhakti Fest while we're – oh, here we go. We'll we'll do that when we come back. Jagadambe by Dave Stringer, so I, I guess I should explain it. Yeah, um, please do. <laughs> the mantras themselves are really very simple representations of um, our relationship to love. Um, Ambe means mother, Jagad, the mother of the world. Um, and there's a lot of ways that you can approach that idea. Um, in, in some schools, sound itself, vibration is the mother of the world from a psychological standpoint, intention is the mother of the world. Um, but to sing it is to become involved in, um, in another kind of creative process in which um, if we wish to change the world, um, it's necessary to change up our own vibration. And so to sing this mantra is to intend through the process of singing to radiate an experience of joy and in doing that to connect with others who are similarly radiating that um, when we do that um, a kind of bigger consciousness is connected to um, that touches everything around us well and the call and response Dave where where did that come from do you know I mean was that just always part of Kirtan well, it's pro- it's actually always been part of music. It, it's probably the oldest figure um, in music history. Um, if you want to teach somebody something, you sing it out, and they sing it back. They imitate it. So call and response is really the simplest way 
of of transmitting musical ideas. Um, it's 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 the primal, most essential musical thing there is. Um, but what it does, to, there's usually two calls, two responses. The first one, people hear it, they attempt to imitate it. The second one, usually they master it. But what's also happening in this is that there's, a, there's an implied dialogue between performer and audience and also between world and viewer or, um, of, the, of the world. Um, and so in the music itself is a philosophy um, which says that you and the world are one. You're engaged in a kind of call and response with the world. Um, the other thing that happens here is that when we sing together like this, everybody slows their breathing down. The secret part of kirtan is that it's really a deep act of um, pranayama or breathing exercise. When you slow your breathing down, it creates a feeling of expansive calm. Everybody knows this, whether they know anything about yoga. That's why in our culture, if you want somebody to chill out, you say, hey, take a breath. Right. You know? So kirtan is really a process of doing that in concert with everybody else. You know, my my first um, exposure to a mantra, so to speak, was in 1992, and my friend, um, one of the top rebirthers in the world, who has gone to the Himalaya mountains to see uh, to, uh, Babaji's ashram, I don't know, I think 25 years, maybe longer. Anyway, she taught us Om Namah Shivaya. And I remember sitting there thinking, I don't know what these words mean, but you could feel them. I mean, you could just feel, you know, this, this shift, and you thought, Wow, you know, even not even understanding what it means, it affects you. And go ahead, Cindy, I, no, go ahead. Cindy, I want to um, jump in and, and say first of all, the, um, that album of that song uh, from Dave's album, I came across that in 2003 in the fall and listened to listened to that album nonstop for several months. It's one of my favorites, so I'm really glad that you played something from there. And you know. <laughs> The thing with kirtan is that um, is that you don't really need to know anything. We just need to pay attention to our own experience. So oftentimes, what I'm really inviting folks to do is to be scientific. So, so, so do the chant, and and doing the chant means you could just be sitting there, paying attention to what's happening in your body when you're in the middle of it, not even saying anything. Or you could be repeating the mantras in your head, or you could be singing along, and and then and then notice what gets produced. So it's very scientific. You're doing an experiment, chanting, and you're seeing what gets produced. But instead of measuring out in the world, you're observing and measuring what happens in your experience. And, and in that way, um, you know, we really come to understand kirtan from the inside out. So, you know, with, with Bhakti Fest, I, I just want to mention, it's the, there's a theme this year, which is freedom. And it's, uh, the Bhakti Fest is scheduled for July 5th. 5th through 7th, and it's at the Alliant Energy Center in Madison, Wisconsin. It's just not a far drive. I mean, you know, you start listening to the music on the way, and before you know it, there you are. And then, you know, there's 800 to 1,000 or more people, because, you know, last year was the first one in the Midwest. I'm sure this one will probably be larger. And there's children, there's adults, there's grandparents, there's just every, every walk, every you know, walk of life, every, you know, the demographic population is just so diverse. There are, there are vendors, there is like, you know, fruit smoothies that you've never tasted before in your life. There's just anything and everything that you can imagine. And all, and it starts 
early in the morning, and it goes until 10 at night. But then there's the after party where all the musicians come together and everyone dances. And, of course, you know, last year with a broken leg, I wasn't at that part. But, you know, I mean, but I heard about it from several people. And it's just it's just nonstop devotion is the only way I know how to describe it. And yeah. um and you, you know we're going, we're going to listen to another song clip uh, now um, by Mike Cohen, and the name of it is Shakti Gayatri. Huh. 
I don't okay. know. It's just it's just you know different people say it. They're like, what is it? You know, but it's but it's a little bit different in that you know I do think people. Um, are coming together with yoga and all of the different practices that, you know, but, but I had a friend with me last year that had never done yoga in her life. She takes, you know, the, the class with uh, Saul David Ray and, you know, of all the pictures she was on the bhakti site, I said, you know, that's not an accident. So, you know, it's just, I'm going to let you two talk a little bit more, but I do want to give the website, uh, the website is bhaktifest.com, which is spelled B-H-A-K-T-I, FEST.com. You can also call 866-992-4258. You know, they do everything from helping you match roommates. I mean, you know, they, there's camping. There are hotels near there. I mean, what else would you two like to add? I mean, it's just such a beautiful experience. Well, you know, one thing, um, uh, you asked about a little bit about the crowd, or you were talking about the crowd. It's funny, I got into a debate with an interviewer in Australia a few months ago when I was on tour there. And um, they said, well, you know, it, they called this New Age music, which I hotly contest. Um, I really don't like that term. I said it's actually no age music, meaning that, one, it's timeless, and it's meant to transport you beyond the cares of this particular time and place, but also it's not stratified by, <clears throat> by age at all. I mean, yeah. you have kids who are like who are total kirtan heads, who love it. Um, and you have surfer dudes, you have scientists, you have grandmas, you have, like, pierced and tattooed people, you have, like, lawyers, you have, like, blue-collar workers. It's an amazing assemblage. It's an amazingly diverse group of people, all who are coming together and sing. I mean, I look at the audience, and to me, I feel this wave of, like, both gratitude and relief, that it's not an ism. Or, uh, you know, it, 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 right. it, diversity is one of the beautiful things about it. I totally agree. And, you know, I mean, you'll see a whole family on a blanket just there. They're just there. And you'll see all three, sometimes even four generations, all singing together. And the exactly. children know the mantras, so you know they're and doing the mantras, it at home. Right. The mantras yeah, are accessible to children, too. At one point, you know, when I had a similar experience with Om Namah Shivaya, you know, where I was like, I don't know what this means, but it feels good. When I started to look at the sounds, I realized that the very sounds were sounds the children communicated with. Like, oh, it's a sound of wonder, and mmm, a sound of satisfaction, and ah, a sound of release, and shh, a sound of quiet. All those things were present in the mantra. They also correlate to the seven uh, chakra energy centers in the body. I mean, you know, in any kind of devotional thing like this works with right brain, left brain, balancing of the hemispheres. It's just, you know, there are so many health benefits, you know, but you can you can search, you know, but more than anything, it just lifts your spirit and connects you to something bigger than, than yourself, you know, where you're really just connected to that source. Yeah, so, Cindy, I, wanted to, I wanted to jump in and say, um, actually, a very interesting story of Sridhar, the founder of BhaktiFest, Peter Silverfine, um, you know, had a vision from Woodstock that he would create this. And so it's decades in the making that we have Bhakti Fest, the spiritual Woodstock. In fact, I remember Dave actually being on tour, and I ran into him after the first uh, Bhakti Fest. And he said, we got to get this thing into the Midwest. So it's, very, it's always beautiful to see when someone has a vision. It might span over years or decades and to see how that comes to fruition. Bhakti Fest really does bring people together. Um, Shrita actually uh, co-produces this with his daughter Mukti, and um, I would 
want to just point to another connection, which is that the Shakti Gayatri chant that you played earlier has uh, none other than Ali Stringer, Dave's niece, is the featured vocalist. Wow. Yeah, I so, say, I think that was her, yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, you just see, you know, it's just, it's just beautiful, and you know, get yourself to Midwest Bhakti Fest. You know, the Midwest is the heart chakra of the country. You know, in you know, they took away, you know, in Missouri, it used, it was pretty obnoxious. The show me state, yeah, mm-hmm, show me. We're not from the East Coast or West Coast. Show us. And they, t- they finally, you know, it was kind of, and it was also pictured with a mule. So they did away with that, and now we're the Great River River State because we have two rivers that are flooding, of course. But, um, but you know, the whole thing is, is this: where when you get grounded in the Midwest, it goes in every direction. And I just think it's beautiful, you know, that Tridhar had this vision, and now here it is, West Coast in the in the Midwest. So. Oh my gosh, we could talk forever, but you know, I know that um, we, you know my next guest is Raymond Grace is, is waiting, so we're going to um, play one last song, and it was really hard to decide between Saraswati or Om Namah Shivaya, but we went with Saraswati. So, but you know, Mike Cohen, I want to thank you, Dave Stringer, I want to thank you. I mean, I just want to thank you truly. I know how busy you are, so this is fabulous that you took this time, and you know, we're here, and we have you know lots of listeners, and we'll let you know let people know that this is here to listen to in the archives, you know, after the show. So thank you, thank you, you're thank you welcome. both. A so much. You, Cindy, and, and I want to mention one thing. If you're playing Saraswati Ma, Mike just talked about Ali Stringer, my niece. Uh, this is her first recorded performance. She's 14, so she's the female voice you're going to hear on this oh upcoming recording. Thank uh, you, thank you for sharing that. Okay, yeah. you know, Om Namah Shavaya to both of you. Thank you, thank you. Namaste. Okay. Uh, So listeners, stay tuned. We're going to hear a beautiful song, Saraswati by Dave Stringer. And you just heard Mike Kona, Dave Stringer, Bhakti Fest Midwest. You can go to BhaktiFest.com and all the information there, all the classes are listed. So thank you both so much. And uh, stay tuned. Right after the song, we'll bring Raymond Grace on. Thank you both so much.
Hello, hello, hello. And that was Saraswati by Dave Stringer. And Saraswati is the Hindu uh, female deity for music, creativity, and the arts. And so that was, you know, a perfect way to complete the Bhakti Fest interview. So I apologize for being a little bit late bringing Raymond Grace on, but Raymond, are you there? Hello, Raymond. I'm here. Can you hear me? I can. And thank you so much for taking out time out of your busy, busy life. I know you're so you're all you're just one of the one of the the, how do I even describe Raymond Grace? Here we go. He sits in a room and he teaches you everything he knows from his heart, from his mind. A good part of the time his eyes are closed because he is is the information is just being downloaded. And, you know, Raymond, I learned more than I realized I learned because I think that's probably how it is with students, not everybody. I mean, I knew I learned a lot that weekend, but I have replayed your videos. I have looked at your manual. I've used so many, and it's like I just didn't realize how much I learned in one weekend with you. Well, so. I appreciate that. I'm <laughs> glad. I always like for people to learn as much as possible. You know, Cindy, <laughs> I've been working to keeping my eyes open a little bit more. Back whenever you were in class, I did. If I were really concentrating on uh, figuring out what to say, a lot of times I would close my eyes because I would concentrate better. If I made eye contact with somebody, it was like it broke my train of thought. But I've been practicing on that, so I keep my eyes open a little more now. You know what? You see even when they're closed, Raymond, and you know it. (laughs) (laughs) You don't miss anything. So... You know, what I want you to know about Raymond is he is, his work has been used in over 48 countries to improve water quality, to reduce violence, you know, in schools. He's got projects and with communities to eliminate abuse of women and children. I mean, you are one of the most quiet forces. And, you know, so, so just tell us, Raymond, what are you up to these days and how did how – you know, for listeners who are like, okay, I've heard of dowsing. I thought that's what those farmers did. Yes, they do. But – can you explain the way in which um, your gifts have come uh, to fruition with dowsing, shall we say? Well, uh, we can talk about that, but uh, we need to upgrade your, in- your information. It wa- uh, the information you had there was correct at the time you got it, but we are now reaching 142 countries. Wow. Uh, so we're we're getting out there. Uh, I don't know how many countries there are in the world, but uh, <laughs> we've at least reached a uh, uh, Fire a fire number of them. There are 142. Um, we we got this information just last week because I was speaking for the American Society of Dowsers up in Vermont, and I thought, well, we need to check here and see just what we have done uh, because I set out a uh, to promote dowsing uh, to as many people as wanted to listen, and the reason I did that is because it is a way, in my opinion, to reach self empowerment. So to cover some of the basics of dowsing, and then you ask whatever you like, but all dowsing is, it's a movement of a physical object, and I use a 45 caliber bullet on a chain from a pendulum, but it's simply a movement of a physical object to tell us what we already know, we just don't really believe we know it. And another way of saying it is, it is a way to increase, improve our intuitive ability to tune in to what you might call higher consciousness or your higher self or universal intelligence, whatever term you might want to use, 
And uh, my old buddy Walt Woods had a good definition for dowsing. He said it is mother's intuition with a readout device. So there may be a number of ways to describe and identify dowsing. Most people um, have the impression it's someone with a forked stick walking across a field, finding a vein of water and a place to drill a well. Well, that's true. That is a bit limited on the uh, scope of it. And what I have done is taken that principle and applied it to so many other things. Uh, Because if there's something within the human mind that can detect a vein of water several hundred feet under the earth, we can use that same ability to find out most anything else we want to know. Well, Raymond, you know, one of the things with with water, as we both know, is it's becoming um, an important commodity. Like in in India, they had Coca-Cola come in, and they were using all the water in this village to make Coca-Cola. And here were the poor people in India, they just didn't have any water. So they went on strike, and Coca-Cola actually listened. But what you're so so right now water is like this big commodity but what can you explain to the listeners what you're doing with water in these 143 countries well i, I don't know that everyone in those countries are are using the water because uh the, the video because we've also got a video out there to stop abuse i actually made it to uh do something about a, a slave trade which is called human trafficking uh but it's the same principles that cause abuse, and uh, we created a film called Blueprint for Freedom, which is free. It's available at RaymondGraceFoundation.org, and my name is spelled without a D. It's just R-A-Y-M-O-N, RaymondGraceFoundation.org. You can go there and click on what we do and watch that film, and we've created a film uh, for water. Back about nine years ago, I was on Coast to Coast Radio with George Norrie, and George asked if people listening uh, across America would set a container of water by the radio. He wanted to know if I could change the energy and the taste of the water. Well, I didn't know if I could or not, but I thought, well, we'll never get a better chance to find out, so let's do it. So while we were on station break, I went through a short little checklist of what I do to clean up water, and then when we came back on the air, the folks started calling in saying that uh, the water tasted better, they drank it, and uh, a number of them reported aches and pains disappearing. Well, I didn't know it would do that, but uh, I was very thankful for it. So what do I do with water? Well, I guess in a way I talk to it uh, because water has a spirit, but all water is not equal. And the spirit of water will not stay where the spirit of greed is, which is why the water in a lot of uh, just what we call city water and a lot of bottled water really isn't all that good. And we, we can measure the energy of water. Actually, we can measure the energy of anything. Uh, and when water does not have the spirit of water in it, it will have a very low energy field, like maybe four to six inches. Well, when the spirit of water is in that water, it will expand out. For example, my spring has an energy field of over three feet, and we have expanded the energy field of water to over 70 feet. But what we really uh, like to show folks how to do 
is to change the taste of water and take out the impurities. Now, this week I had uh, a group of people there in, at the, in Vermont at the American Dowsing Conference, and I energized water for them, and I had all of them take a drink of water before I did anything, and then I spent maybe a couple of minutes uh, working on the water. Now, they're holding the water in their hands all over the auditorium there, and I'm just standing up at the front on the stage, uh, but I'm working on the water they're, they're holding there in their hands just like I did on the radio that night. Um, and then I asked them to take uh, a sip of the water again, and there's two comments they usually make. One is it's sweeter and it's lighter. But most of the folks can tell that something in the water has changed. And this is what boggles the scientific mind, that folks just don't realize that this can be done at a distance. But we've been doing it for several years now. Right. But you really well, got to think outside the box to keep up with this kind of stuff. Yeah, and you know, Raymond, you know, you you are the epitome of someone who is a down-to-earth, honest, what do you want to know, you know? And, and if I don't know it, I'll see if I can figure it out. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty down-to-earth. I'm, I guess, maybe the only speaker out there on the circuit that uh, doesn't even own a suit and tie. <laughs> well, And, and I always tell people, watermelon's the biggest word I know. <laughs> You're funny. Well, and you've home homeschooled your daughter. I mean, you you've you you talk a lot about family values and how things have changed. Well, I talked some about that, and I wrote a book of how uh, of raising April because first off, it was the most enjoyable thing I ever did, and then we didn't have the problems that I hear about other people having. So we must have done something right, and not only that, she was the happiest kid I ever saw. Um, we homeschooled up till she was about 14. She wanted to go to school, uh, so she'd be with other kids. We lived so far back in the woods, we had to import playmates for her. So um, when she went to school, I, I told her, you know, I, I can't help you with your homework because school has changed so much since I went, I wouldn't even understand the question. So if you want to make good grades, you're going to have to do it on your own, but I've already taught you how to think. And uh, she was on the uh, honor roll every six weeks, went to college, was on the dean's list. So uh, I always told her, well, you've done this yourself. Uh, all you took was the basics I gave you, and you you used it to do something with it. And then she went into business for herself. So I wouldn't do things a whole lot different than what I did. No. You, what you did was, was a true gift. And, I mean, she'll never... She'll never forget the the base of knowledge. I mean, plus you empowered her. I just I just opened the door. You're the one who opened your mind. Well, yeah, uh, I'm in the self empowerment business. Uh, for anybody that wants to get anything done, that's why we've made. Right now, we did some more filming last week. When we get them, we're going to have probably 35, 40 films out there. We've got about 30 out there now, and. Uh, I've written books on this stuff. We send out a newsletter about every uh, three months. So if anybody wants our newsletter, just go to one of our websites. Uh, you can just uh, go to RaymondGrace.us and uh, sign yourself up, uh, and it's free. And it comes out about uh, – we, we do it every quarter. As a matter of fact, I think we mailed out one yesterday. Uh, so we're just reaching people with just kind of simple, down-to-earth information, uh, 
because the world can be a lot better than what it is, and people's lives can be better than what they are. Uh, but they need a little better information in order to do it. We live in a world called monkey see, monkey do, and uh, until some monkey gets smarter, it's probably not going to change much. So I, I volunteered to see if I could do something to change that. And if I can believe my mail, we must be helping a lot of people. Well, Raymond, I was just, you know, as you know, that one class, and when I saw all the different things, you, you could test, you know, you tested, like, if, if medicine was actually, okay, if someone had a challenge in their body, but would that medicine really help it? Or could you empower that medicine? Or, you know, you just did so many things. I mean, you worked with, you know, we, we you, there St. Louis is an earthquake waiting to happen. We all know that we're on the New Madrid Fault. And that mm-hmm. that weekend, you tested it, and you changed the energy around St. Louis. I saw you do it. I felt it, and everyone in that room felt it. Well, you know, Cindy, I don't even remember doing that. I know. You do, you, you go so many places, Raven. I understand. But 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 you you are able to tune in, and you empower others to be able to tune in with the dowsing chart that you've created with the pendulums, and that bobber. I love my bobber. I want you to know I love my bobber. Well, uh, all you have to do really to do all this stuff is just ask the right questions and believe in yourself. Hmm. Right. It's really pretty simple. Most folks have uh, been taught that they can't do so many things. Well, I do my best to reverse that belief system. Because, Cindy, as you know, our belief system is the dominant factor that controls everything that happens to us. And I figured out if we can change our belief system, we can change our future. Well, and listeners, Raymond's not just talking about your individual belief systems. He's talking about generations of belief systems. Like, I, you know, part of what I was fascinated with in that class was that you would clear uh, several generations of a thought pattern that had been in a family. I believe we can do that for one simple reason, and it's nothing but a form of energy. See, the first principle of my work is simply this, that all things are composed of energy, and the intelligent human mind can direct energy. The second principle is energy is impressed upon matter. That means we are affected by everywhere we've been and people we've associated with in any events. Uh, and third, I borrowed from Einstein, of energy follows thought. You take those three principles, apply them properly, and you can do miracles. So, Raymond, all the things you've done, I mean, I know you have your hands in a lot. Would you um, be kind enough to just share a couple, just, just a couple, like, different different angles of different miracles that you've seen with with working with the consciousness? I know you've worked with cities. You've worked with so many different projects. But just if something comes to mind that you just think would just really... Well, uh, the first one that comes to mind was one that we did and didn't know we had done it until it was all over. Uh, I may or may not have told that in the class you were in, but my friend Larry from up in Ontario had asked if he could uh, travel with me on a trip, and it's been a number of years back. Um, I had met Larry, and he was badly crippled from having his back broken in a truck wreck, and he was told he would never walk again. But he was determined, and he by the time I met him, he was able to walk in a rather awkward manner with the use of a cane. And uh, we were uh, traveling on our first trip uh, with a, uh, another girl traveling with us out in the Midwest, and we checked in a room, and we we didn't really know each other real well, and it was kind of an altered silence there, and I think, well, we got to do something here to 
break the ice and uh, and I'm thinking I've got three people here and we can all think let's put it to to use so I asked Larry to just lie back on the bed and ask uh, this girl to go over and place her hands on his hips and she looked at me kind of weird I said just just do it I need your energy and the reason why I knew he related her energy better than he would relate to mine and I'm just sitting there on, on the other bed with my bullet pendulum and I'm sending him an intention to rele- remove the pain from his legs and his back. Now, that's the only intent I had because it was the only thing I really needed to do. But I, I sent that energy through her body, and her hands were on his hips, and I thought, well, that will be a way to to really put the energy into his body. Because uh, I had done things like this before, work on one person by the, by the, with the use of another one. Well, in about five minutes, I said, okay, just turn him loose. Uh, that's all we can do. And he asked me, he said, are there any steel plates in my back? Well, I didn't know what he was talking about, but I, I dialed the answer there, and I got, no, there aren't, are there supposed to be? And he said, well, they've been in there for 15 years, but I saw them disappear. The next morning, he bent over and touched the floor. After he got back home, he called that he was pain-free, and he went to his doctor for an X-ray, the doctor showed him the X-rays he had done previously the the year before. Very obvious there were still plates in his back, but the ones he had just made, the plates had disappeared. They just weren't there. Just gone. That's probably the, one of the most surprising things we've seen. And it wasn't that I set out to do that because I didn't really know that they were in there. My intent was simply to help him to be pain-free. So that was... That was one of her better ones. And the other one was the dropping of the uh, um, homicide rate in Baltimore, Maryland. There were a couple of people that did this. I, I really didn't have much to do with it. All I did was teach them how. And they wanted to see if they could lower the crime rate there, especially homicide. So they would put my Energize Your Life DVD in their DVD player every morning, put a map of Baltimore in front of the TV set with the intent, and this is a key word now, they had the intention that the energy that I was producing on that film would be applied to the area represented by that map. And within about um, a month or so, I get a call from them. They're all upset because the murder rate just got really high. And they wonder what they did wrong. And I said, well, I don't think you did anything wrong. You just keep doing it. It'll work its way out. Well, about another month or so, I get a picture of a headlines of the Baltimore Sun saying the homicide rate's lowest in 28 years. Then a year or so later, they send me another notice, the homicide rate's lowest in 34 years. The last one I got was the homicide rate was the lowest since 1973. It's been, uh, what, um, 40, uh, about 40 years. No, not 1979, I guess it was. I think it's 43 years. And... Uh, Nobody ever really knew what was going on. These people chose to remain anonymous, but they would keep me updated on things. So the reason that the crime rate got so high, it was because the criminals killed the other criminals. Oh, I mean, it was a yeah. no-brainer. Any of old, right. old hillbillies could have told you that. Kill the criminals, all for a crime rate to go down. <laughs> we need that in St. Louis. We had 12 murders in one night a couple of weeks ago. And not well, related. They were just totally not related at all. But they were. I mean, you know, of course, yeah. we know well, that they were. I don't know. Maybe somebody out there ought to 
how to play one of those films at, at Napa Ball, uh, St. Louis, see what will happen. I know. You, you know, one of the things that you explained in that class that I've never forgotten is that whenever there's an area that has a lot of accidents, car accidents or, you know, any kind of collisions, et cetera, you know, when people say, oh, that's just a high-risk area. And one of the things you explained is that, um, you know, entities get attached to those areas wherever there's, like, you know, anything playing out like that. So can you explain, Raymond, about, like, how you, like, okay, with abuse of any kind or any kind of just, you know, dark negative energies, shall we say, you check it, you clear it, and then and, and you always ask, is it okay to clear it too? That's part of the part of the deal, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then after you've cleared it, then you then you reinfuse it with the consciousness. Well, um, this past week uh, at the conference, a lady from Nova Scotia came up to me and said, "I want to thank you for what you did because I was there three years ago, and I told the, all the folks in the audience if you will focus on any road, intersection, curve, or whatever." somewhere within your neighborhood that you're at risk uh, every time you drive by there, uh, I'll see if I can clear it for you. Well, I didn't have a clue what these folks were thinking about, but I worked at cleaning up uh, the roadways, and this lady came up to me and said there was a very dangerous stretch of road. Lots of people have been killed on. There hadn't been a wreck in the past three years Now, since we cleaned it up. Now, I get feedback like that from time to time. I don't get complete feedback, but I get enough to believe that we're doing something and to the best of my knowledge every roadway curve intersection we've ever cleaned up uh the wrecks greatly decreased as, at least for a long period of time they might not stop completely and totally but they greatly decreased and what it is uh most of these places have what i call negative indies you might call them ghosts spooks whatever you want to call them but these things are some of them have enough power to where they can actually create uh, car wrecks. And in some places of the worst ones where people get burned to death in the car or something like that, you literally have some demonic forces there. Mm-hmm. And we know this because simply because we get results. You know, I mean, if we didn't have the results, we wouldn't be saying this. Uh, and it's we've had it happen uh, several times. Uh, my friend uh, Ken Bloom up in Pennsylvania cleaned up a curve called, I think it was Dead Man's Curve, uh, on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. They had a fatality there about once a week. He cleaned it up, and it was six months before they ever had a fender bender. So uh, this can be done. Uh, it can be done all over America. You just need somebody doing it. Right. And I provide the information, but the problem is people. there's not enough people put it to use. Right. Well, and, you know, listeners, Raymond uh, is is very busy. You heard he was just at the Dowsers Convention, you know, up in Vermont. He will be in North Carolina. Nope, you already were there. You um, you were headed to Pennsylvania in July, but then you're going to be in the Midwest. You're going to be in Springfield, Illinois on Ju- uh, July 20th and 21st, and that's Visions by JDR. Then you're going to be heading to Indiana July 27th, 28th, and 29th, and you're on your way to Plainwell, Michigan. Um, and all of this, listeners, is on Raymond's um, website, RaymondGrace.us, and then you just uh, check on the schedule, and you can, you know, 
a lot of the, the the DVDs and CDs and you know the, the you know his fabulous fabulous pendulum and all the different charts and all this all of this is available on his website. And um, Raymond, I do have an email that someone just sent asking, can we still get the Flower of Life petals? Uh, you can. We still have some. And uh, my email address for that is Raymond R A Y M O N at RaymondGrace.us. So you write me, and I'll send you the directions on how. So Raymond, I want to talk about. Um, we, you know, we can go in any direction. We, you know, we have about ten more minutes. So um, I'd like to talk about, you know, the the abuse that you're working with because, you know, it's just uh, it, it's in the in the churches, it's in the schools, it's it's everywhere. This this purveying. Um, power and force used in a in a way that is just not for good so so what what do you recommend you know what can people do to really help with what you're doing so to speak with your projects i mean do they what what can the rest of us you know what what can we do can you okay. guide us and I, um, you, you heard well, the question it was, it was scary well, i, can, but I, know you I understood can, it. i can give you the answers here but here again uh the folks are getting only one shot on, on listening to this I think. Uh, if you will go to the site I gave you earlier, Raymond Grace Projects, uh, no, excuse me, RaymondGraceFoundation.org, click on what we do and watch Blueprint for Freedom, and there's about an hour long video there. Um, only problem is that we had to put it up in segments so it, we could put it out on YouTube, and if you want a hard copy, well, then you can order it off that foundation site. But uh, the one that we have up there, it's, uh, it's free. If you get a hard copy, of course, you're going to uh, you're gonna have to have to buy it, but we sell it for twenty five dollars in shipping, so that's that's simple enough. But to answer your question, uh what I really believe uh is that the same factors are for abuse are no, let me say it this way. The factors are about the same, whether it's schoolyard bullies, sexual harassment in the office, abuse in nursing homes, hospitals, jails, or whether it's actually human trafficking and slave trade. The, the same factors are present, and the first thing you want to do is to eliminate any negative entities. And I realize I may use some language your folks are not quite familiar with, but the next thing I would do is take away any abusive archetypes that the person has, any archetypes of dark, uh, domination or control. Now, archetype is simply a trait or characteristic that affects a person's behavior. And I realize your listeners are thinking, wait a minute, how do you do that? Well, you watch that film and you can watch me do it. Not only that, we've created films that, to my knowledge, nobody's ever created before. And that is one where you can literally direct the energy that I am producing to wherever you want it to go. Uh, Now, you're going to have to focus your mind on this, but I give directions in the film as to how to do this. And it was... The best way I knew to stop abuse, because it's always bothered me to share the planet with people that just abused innocent people, I mean, in some horrific ways. I don't really like to get too descriptive on that on the the air, but um, I found a way to stop a lot of it. I'm not going to say it's a cure-all, but it sure is going to stop a lot of it. Now, I can't say that that we were responsible for this. A lot of folks have checked it out with their dowsing, and they think we were responsible. And I'd like to think that, but I can't prove it. But 
A few months after we put that film out, the largest pedophile roundup in the history of the world occurred in Europe, uh, covering 26 countries. Now, like I say, we'd like to think we had something to do with it, but I don't know. But anyway, the, um, that's that's among the things that we do. Uh, another thing, there's victim archetypes, there's abuser archetypes, and a, vic- a victim cannot be a victim unless they have an abuser. It takes two people. An abuser cannot be an abuser unless they have a victim, so they find each other. And I always tell the folks in class, if we've got any here in the counseling, people helping people business, if you've got a victim, let's say you've got a woman with three kids and they get beat up about every Saturday night, you may can get them out of that situation and put them in a safe place. But if you don't get rid of three things, the spirit of victimization, a victim mentality, and victim archetypes, they're just go find somebody else, do the same thing to them. And they'll never know they did it. So it's in their energy field, well, it's in their whole yeah. energy, in their thinking, yeah. in their and yes, it's vibrational. Yeah. Uh, and it it is their belief system, and our belief system, as I said earlier, is the dominant factor that controls everything that happens to us. So what this film was about is help you to examine your belief system and uh, do something to change it. And in the film, I show people how to change it. Now they may not understand my terminology. I really can't help that. It, I just tell it the way that I. With only words, I know how. Um, But those are the major things. Um, Not every schoolyard bully or everyone doing harassment is possessed. I don't want to give that impression. I will say in the real serious situations, they probably are. But they do have some type of tendency to abuse, oppress other people. Maybe they don't like themselves, so they take it out on the world. And uh, there's a quite a list of things to go through to do that. It's not just one phrase or one simple uh, little trick that's going to solve the problem. It's uh, kind of a series of things. Well, and you've worked with, you know, some of the different techniques that have helped with, you know, once again, with our mind, the OCD, the ADD, you know, there's, it's it's like rampant in our society, but it, to me sometimes it's a catch-all phrase where someone's mind's just not being managed, so to speak. Um, well, I mean, I'm I glad you brought that up, Cindy, because uh, we've got a film out there for that, too, and it's free. It's I at RaymondGraceProjects.com, and it's called uh, Random Act of Kindness, and it's only about five minutes long because that's as long as it needs to be. But I'm no authority at all on mental disorders, but... I will say this, we have had some really good success in helping people change things. But energy works a lot like taking a bath. You can't take one that's going to last you for the next five years. So it requires maintenance, and some people need more maintenance than others. But uh, about a year or so ago, someone contacted me that they had a husband of 50 years that had ADD in the person had written a book about it called My Husband Has ADD. And uh, I read the email there, and I thought, well, this person needs help. Maybe I ought to give them a call. Now, sometimes I don't have the luxury of time of doing something like that, but that one was kind of calling out to me. So I went through the um, checklist that I have. It checks out what all is wrong with people, and the fellow had most everything wrong with him. 
and I made the uh, corrections uh, with his wife by phone. He didn't even know the conversation was taking place. Now, normally, I wouldn't do this. This I went way out of my ordinary way of doing business for this, and I often wondered why I was doing it, but I did anyway. And I said, now, you balance the blood flow to his brain at least twice a day um, because the cause of many of these things is simply that the blood does not flow to the appropriate areas of the brain in a balanced manner. Well, with dowsing in our intent, we can correct that. And I was my first customer on it. I found if I started to get angry, I started to get depressed, and I would logically know there was no reason, but emotions will override logic. And I found I could balance the blood flow to my brain, and within 10 minutes I was doing fine. Well, after a day or so, this fellow started noticing, and his wife noticed that his behavior changed. And then he started learning about dowsing and started working on himself. And within a very short time, she uh, well, actually, she, she finished the chapter uh, of a book because she said she didn't have a, a happy ending to it. And I said, well, maybe I can give you one. So she uh, wrote then the final chapter of the book, giving me credit for changing his life. Well, all I did was teach him how to balance the blood flow to his brain, the right and left brain hemisphere, and his brain chemistry, and that's what I do on that film, and that's why, I'm, why I created that film, because she said there'll be a lot of people come to your website when they hear of this, and I said, well, let's just give them something that they don't have to buy, just make it free, and let them, uh, let them watch it, so if we've got any listeners out there that live with someone who has abnormal behavior, uh, take a look at that film, and um, it would be good if they would look at it and take part in helping themselves, but if they don't, uh, you might just be able to write their name or put your picture in front of your computer screen when you watch it, and you have the intent that what I'm doing there is balancing that person's brain. And if you have a strong enough intent, I think it's going to work for you pretty good. I bet you get some fairly good feedback on that. You know, Raymond, it, it makes sense. You know, I mean, when you think about telepathy and you think about harnessing the energy of the mind, and we all know it. I mean, if we don't, then, you know, we need to learn. You know, it, it's it's when the intention is good, and the, like like that gentleman that you described with the, the, the pain in his back and his legs, and you know, and I've seen I've seen it in other forms of of work of this nature where someone's the the trans like the person in between, and then the energy goes through them just you know right through. But that miracle of that man feeling like the plates were gone and walking and knowing that his pain was gone. I mean that that was all supercharged with the intention of doing help and healing and him being willing to receive and that woman being a conduit and right there with the whole deal. And it just mm-hmm. shows that, you know, this is the whole thing that, you know, people people talk about, you know, consciousness can override DNA, RNA. We can go way beyond all of this. You know, and there have been books written on it. Why do some people get well and some people don't? Why do some people, you know, why do, you know, and it's like, it's like, it's just amazing what the mind connected with spirit can do. Well, Cindy, I started out, I guess I was 16 years old, and I was in algebra class in the 10th grade, and it's all I got out of two years of algebra. The teacher said that Einstein might have used 10 to 15% of his brain, and I started thinking, well, I wonder what he could have done if he'd used 25%. So I started out on a quest back then to find out what the mind could do. Well, I still haven't reached the end of it. I probably never will, but I have learned quite a bit. And what I learned is that distance is not a factor, 
and we don't have time to get into it now, but maybe when you and I talk someday, I can tell you about going back in time. I found that we can go back in time and change things, and if we can change our past, then we can change our future. I I I I would love to hear that because I I know it's possible. Yes. Oh, there's there is so much possible, and yes. another thing, the energy on Earth right now has risen higher than I have ever seen it. Cindy, I've been measuring rain for fifteen years. The energy of rain, if my math is correct and my dowsing is correct, is something like sixty five hundred percent increased in the last fourteen years. No, it actually has increased in the last 16 months. And the ideal energy for a human body has gone up something like uh, over 1,500%. And if the definition of energy, and this is a definition I use because I like it, uh, is the amount of good that can be done, we have more energy to work with now than we have ever had on this planet. So to what do you attribute that? Well, I... First thing I have to say is I'm not sure, but you hear a lot about the the Mayan calendar. Well, December 22nd, 21st came and went. But when I started checking things afterwards, there was more happened then than met the eye. That is energetically. And I think we are going into an entirely different, uh, I will use the word age for want of a better uh, terminology, um, but I'm only going from what I've read and talked to other people. So what I'm what I'm saying here is not what I know personally, but I've heard this Earth the Earth goes through these shifts about every twenty six thousand years or so. Well, I don't really know that for a fact, but I do know a little bit about measuring energy, which I've been doing daily for about fifteen years, and I have seen more energetic changes take place in the last sixteen months than I have in the previous fourteen years. I have I have said that it's like a renaissance of a new kind with. Uh, that's light. a good way to put it. That's better than yeah. my definition. Well, I don't know, uh, but, but really, I know really, uh, with yeah. this with this much energy to use, properly use, Cindy, we have the ability to turn the earth into a paradise. Mm-hmm. And people need to be careful how they think because your subconscious mind will not make a determination as to whether your thoughts are good for you or not, and you can create a disaster as easy as you can create something pleasant. And I I always like to put that caution out there to folks because with this much energy that we have now, uh, it is amazing how much can be done because a lot of times when there's been an energy shift, we'll get information that we didn't have before. And I'm thinking, well, why couldn't we have gotten smarter faster? Why did it take so long to learn this? Probably because we did not have the energy to put it to use. Right, the collective consciousness has changed, and you know, with the with the internet, and you know, I have kids. I mean, I, I have stepchildren in their forties, thirties. I have ch- children twenty-seven, twenty-four, and fifteen. And I have to tell you something. My my fifteen-year-old has grown up from the time he was barely able to like get his fingers on a keyboard. He knew how to use the internet. And I mean, and, mm-hmm. and whenever he wanted to learn something like even play music, he would go to the YouTube videos and he would learn how to play a song. I was like, how did you teach yourself that song? Oh, I just went to YouTube and watched. 
and you know, I was I was doing a feng shui consultation for a, a reporter who was interviewing me, and then she says, "Well, I see you do feng shui." She goes, I, "Can can you come feng shui my house, and I'll write about that?" I'm like, "Okay," and I get there, and highly intelligent parents, very spiritual home. You could feel it the minute you walked in, and when we went to the upper level, this child was barely three. I think he was more like two and a half, and he went flying up those stairs as fast as he could, jumped up in this chair and was on this computer. And I said to his mother, I said, what is your son doing? And she said, oh, when he wants to learn anything, he'll ask us how to spell it. And then he knows his letters and he puts it on there and he watches YouTube videos. I had never seen anything like it. So it's like the way children have knowledge, I mean, if they're guided in, you know, making the world a better place you know it's like knowledge is right there and with twitter and all the connecting i mean i think i think we we have an opportunity now more than ever to make this world a better place oh we do and i i feel like it uh it's at least part of my job to let them know how to do it and it's really not complicated Mm -hmm. yeah keep it simple Keep keep it very simple, and you know, Raymond. I you know I will I will study with you again. I you know I'm going to be in Europe when you're um, when you're in Springfield, or I would have been up there. But you you just have amazing gifts, and you know I looked at your website. I'm like, look at the technology. I mean, you know, you you're getting it. I mean, that random act of kindness. I mean, that's just a gift to so many. And you know, listeners, I hope you're listening. Raymond Raymond gives as much as he can, and you know his prices on everything. You know, just reasonable, and all of this, you know, can be learned. You know, it, it's not it's not complicated. More than anything, it's just listening and trusting. Wouldn't you say, Raymond? Right. Well, I have heard some things explained complicated, and what I've done my best to do is simplify everything. Actually, the, the way I think, it has to be simple before I can understand it anyway. And I find that most things. Uh, in life have been complicated way beyond what was necessary. So simple is a heck of a lot better. Right. So keep it simple. And so you can, uh, you know, go to RaymondGraceProjects.com, RaymondGrace.us. Um, and then there's another, what is the other one, Raymond? Raymond, Raymond Grace Foundation.org. Raymond, okay. So, you know, Raymond is this silent force on a lot of projects all over. You know, like when he says, well, you know, you know, Baltimore just kind of took it and ran with it. I just told, taught him a little bit. Well, you know what? You taught him a lot. And, you know, everyone can use that as a prototype. And, you know, so, gosh, Raymond, anything else you want to say to all of us before, you know, I mean, I'm really grateful. I know how busy you are. And thank you for finding time to come on the show. And, and listeners, you know this show's archived. So let people know about it. And, you know, the link will be on Facebook, you know, after the show. And But, Raymond, final words of wisdom for all of us. What what else, you know, just whatever spirit leads you well, to share. Well, I didn't know you were going to ask this, so I didn't have any time to think about it. But probably follow the first rule of success. Think about what you want rather than what you don't want because you've got more energy now to create it. And it's sort of like the title of my book, The Future is Yours, Do Something About It. Yeah, it is. It's like what you focus on expands and what do do you want? What do you want? So, um, Raymond, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you from my heart to yours. I, I really appreciate it. Well, I'd like to have you back again. So we'll just stay in communication. And, you know, listeners, this is Raymond Grace. There's only one Raymond Grace. And, 
you know, you just, you can learn and learn and learn and just amazing things from water to consciousness to clearing and, you know, filling it in with love. So, Raymond, thanks for sharing that about the energy on planet Earth. I, You know, you can just feel it. And it's like the children get it. The children more than ever right now, I feel like they're very, very tuned in. So. Well, they probably are. I, ever since April grew up, I haven't been around any kids much, but I hear good stories every now and then. And we do a, we have done a few free kids dowsing classes at various places I've been because uh, I just wanted to give them, get them off to a good start. And I am amazed at how well they do. And let me throw a quick story in. Uh, there were three um, uh, three kids in class one day, the boy 18, girl 15, and 13, and they were in school. Matter of fact, if you'll read my archive newsletters, I actually that's Lynn Wright, the uh June issue of two thousand twelve. And they programmed the water where they were going to school and lowered the uh I wouldn't say crime rate, but the problems in school. Made it a much better place to live. Now these were just three kids that had been in my class, that watched my videos and they said, We can do that. And they did. It's amazing what they did. I, I really wish folks would go and read that that, uh, that newsletter, June of uh, 2012, and it's, it's archived there. And in, uh, it just shows you what kids can do if you just give them a little bit of information. So this random act of kindness, you know, some of us have heard the expression, you know, pay it forward, et cetera. Here are these kids. Raymond just teaches them, you know, and then the next thing you know, these little bright light beings are making the world a different place. And it's like it's just all being willing to be open and, you know, go to the go the extra mile. So here we are. So, oh, my gosh, Raymond. Well, thank you. And, you know, listeners, the first part of the, the show was Bhakti, uh, Bhakti Fest Midwest, and then this was Raymond Grace, and we're going to um, close the show with a soundtrack from Michael Cohen off of uh, one of his albums, and uh, it's Om Namah Bhagavad Vasudeva. And it doesn't matter if I said that correctly because remember it's all consciousness. And uh, so Raymond, Raymond, thank you, thank you, thank you, and you know, just thank you so much. There's really thanks for asking and uh, have a good (laughs) evening. Okay, all right. So thanks everyone. We'll be back next week. But you know, if you want to listen to one more beautiful song, stay stay on, and then um, just let people know about the show. You can favorite the show. You can like the show. If you want to be on our sacrosanct email list, send me an email to info at spiritseeker.com, and then I will let you know about the different radio show guests. I'll let you know about the different events happening in the Midwest and when the magazine's online. Okay. So thanks everyone, and here's this beautiful song to end the evening. Oh, 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 oh,